You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Welcome back to another week of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Some of you may have noticed that there was no podcast last week. Well, I'll tell you why. Because my wife and I took a vacation. I have been going, 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 going. And as some of you know, um, that can wear a person down. Well, I had reached a point (laughs) where it was best for everyone that uh, my wife and I take a vacation. And we did, and it was wonderful, and God blessed, and therefore there was no podcast last week. Now, thank you For those of you that bore with us through that very difficult season, I know some of you really struggled with not having this podcast, (laughs) but, you know, here we are this week, (laughs) back at it. And, you know, I am full of good news. Number one, the book Advanced Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth is in production. What does that mean? That means that if you have pre-ordered it, it's not too long now. It's, It's going to be getting shipped to us as soon as it's done getting... Through this print run, uh, we're giving it a couple more weeks. I am also very excited to let you know that this weekend is the final uh, point at which you can apply for our DID Coach Mentorship Program. Th- the amazing news is that we've had quite a number of applicants. I I personally have been shocked. I I, I didn't know that. So many people would be interested in getting trained. And, and here's the thing, right? This is really good news because for all of you survivors out there that are waiting for an army of people to arise that can help you, it's happening in real time here at Bride Ministries. We have a whole army of people signing up. And I'll tell you, you know, while a lot of ministries shy away from ministry to satanic ritual abuse survivors, deep deliverance, and, 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 and frankly, a lot of ministries don't even understand the need for inner healing because they have these preposterous ideas that once you get saved, all your needs for inner healing just go away and you should be just fine. What the heck? So here at Bride Ministries, we are not in the dark and we are ready to train and equip people. And you know what? You guys are showing up. So we're going to be having a second round of interviews for those that are finishing their applications up due by September 15th, and uh, then we will be proceeding forth with the program. For for those of you that are applying, just understand that this is going to be pretty intense. We're going to be going through, one, the entire Bride Ministries Institute, which is somewhere in the vicinity of 70 to 80 hours of teaching um, on the online institute. And of course, this is available to everyone, but those that are part of the program will get a discount on those courses. Now, for those that are participating in the program, there's going to be four week-long meetings here in Dallas, and that will be very focused training, hands-on, lots and lots of demonstration and uh, discipleship, you know, and mentorship in the actual execution of this ministry. And then we will be reading books and doing quizzes and writing reports throughout the year as we have weekly meetings in the interims. And so it's, it's going to be a very thorough training for those that 
participate in this at the end. Our goal is to release a company of individuals that can effectively help survivors of satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control projects, and defectors from high-level secret societies and occult groups. So, so praise God for all of the good news there. Now, I want to let you all know that Bride Ministries continues to be a a, 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 a source of help to survivors of satanic ritual abuse by providing scholarships. And, and how do we provide these scholarships? Well, it comes out of our budget from the goodwill offerings and donations of those of you that continue to follow and support this platform. And uh, the application is available on our website for those of you that would like to get sponsorship to do work with a coach. Now, uh, those scholarships are uh, I'll provide for 16 hours of ministry paid for by us, Bride Ministries. So, so we're very happy to continue to be able to offer this as well as the fireplace. Well, we're not longer calling it. We, we're now calling it the Bride Ministries Church, um, this podcast, uh, support groups and meetings throughout the week. And by the way, if you have not been going to the Bride Ministries Church, you need to check it out. We've been on a series. It's so cool. It's called Exposing Kabbalah. And oh my gosh, I, I mean, we're just having so much fun with this series. And, and, and if you haven't been part of that, you are really missing out. Um, I don't even know how long the series is going to go on because there's so much to say. But just so you know, we have our Bride Ministries Church live every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We make those recordings available on our website for a, a small fee. Um, but if you show up live, you get to see it free right? and, 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 and live and even participate. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to do that? So uh, show up and hang out. Make a friend. So Anyway. We have a lot going on at Bride. I also have a really awesome program for you today. So I want to say thank you for those of you that continue to support us financially. Remember, the Lord loves a cheerful giver and the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. As we engage with the culture of heaven and the economy of heaven through giving, it unlocks blessings and increase and seals us off from the attack of the enemy and the accusation that allows the enemy to destroy some of our finances. That accusation being this person is tight-fisted, not generous, and as a matter of fact, they don't give. Therefore, we have a right to attack their finances. And 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 this, unfortunately, has been the downfall of some. And so I just want to encourage you guys and thank you guys. And with that said, we're going to be right back. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, we are back on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. And uh, guess what? I've made a new friend. Her name, April Osborne. And she happens to be the author of this book called Seeing Behind Enemy Lines, which she graciously sent to me. Now, uh, April 
Osborne has been involved in ministry from a young age. She traveled and ministered with Dr. Norval Hayes, who was a major spiritual father and mentor to her. She's been involved in services and crusades on four continents and has worked as a youth pastor, Bible school teacher, and travels and ministers today at churches and conferences. Um, and as she has written this book, Seeing Behind Enemy Lines, where she details many of her visions and spiritual experiences with Jesus, we're going to be having a very interesting conversation. April, welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hi, Dan. How are you? It's such a pleasure to be with you and your audience today. Well, I think this is going to be a good time, April. And, you know, this is my first time connecting with you. And uh, it's just going to be interesting to see where the Lord takes this. But you've written a very interesting book here. And um, you are a seer, right? And the Lord has been using you as a seer for a long time. As a matter of fact, your book, you go way back. I mean, years and years to like, you know, the early times. Uh, when did this gift begin to manifest in your life what were the early stages of your journey like in this area well that's a great question and um so i just want to honor you thank you for having me it's such a pleasure to be with you excited to see what god does in your life and your family as you move forward i love the journey that you're on and representing the kingdom of god so well here on the earth and uh, so super excited to be with you um, but yeah, so I was, uh, in ministry around ministry my whole life, which sometimes, you know, I look at that and, and be like, wow, you know, which there were so many things imparted to me as a child that I didn't realize that was happening until obviously way later, but I was, um, a lot around religion. And I thought that I had a relationship with Jesus, but I had a, um, a religion in my mind. I had a relationship in my mind. It's, it's basically, I could tell you all the good things without knowing the author. I could tell all the stories, you know, and, and uh, as a young child. And man, I witnessed some powerful things at a, as a young age, but there was an encounter in my life where some things went bad at, when I was 16 years old, and that took me on a, a rebellious path from 16 to 17 and I found myself pregnant at the end of 17 some trauma and some things that had went on and um so I was away from the Lord that about a year and a half total time frame but then began my journey back to the Lord that is really when I started encountering him personally and created a relationship with him that was undeniable. No one could ever convince me that I didn't have a relationship with him. And that is when those gifts began to come to life in me was in those extreme low places where I, you know, desperation causes you to do something different than what you do in an ordinary situation. You know, people will say I'm broken or I'm in need of a savior, but you don't see them pursuing a savior. And so sometimes I wonder when people say things like that, how, you know, like I know what it looks like to be desperate for a savior or someone to rescue me and you will do whatever you have to do to lock away with him, to find him. And the Bible says that if we pursue him, he will be found. He He's always knocking and waiting and longing he's a good father for us to just turn and and set our eyes and our gaze on him like Matthew 6 6 talks about getting in a room and shutting the door behind you with no one else and and he meets us there and so that's really when my journey 
began and I didn't realize the journey. I grew up uh, around the faith movement and you didn't really hear like prophets and seers, apostles. Uh, you know, I was taught about those things, but never from the aspect they were very, um, a humble community where nobody's labeling anybody, you know, mm -hmm. they, they went by first name. I really still appreciate that uh, myself. It's like when you go into the kingdom of heaven and uh, when Jesus greets you, he's like, well done thy faithful servant. You know, he doesn't call you apostle or prophet or seer. He, you're a servant, no matter what your title or position or authority is. And so that I appreciate that side of things. And so, um, so when things started happening around me, I thought it was just an intimate relationship that I was having. I had no idea the dimension and the road that it was going to take me on. So that's really the beginning of you know, it. It, it. It's interesting because when I was in college, I spent a couple of years where I just backslid. On purpose, absolutely intentional, yeah. you know. I'm like, I'm getting on a crazy train. And I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that, that lasted for a, a, a little while. But by the time I was about halfway through my junior year, I got off the crazy train. I said, this, this is enough, you know. And um, I really felt God pulling strongly because I had grown up knowing him. Um, I wouldn't say I grew up around a faith movement. I had, I had more exposure to very conservative churches early on, which is funny because of where I wound up, which is on the deep end of the pool. But, you know, um, I did see some of the charismatic stuff, but it was interesting because when I came back to God, I got pulled into this season where I just couldn't get enough. And I'm in college yeah. spending, you know, without anyone asking me to, a, a day a week in fasting. And I would spend an hour or two in prayer, you know, like I would just come home from class. I would put my worship music on, I would get on my face and I would just pray in tongues. And yeah. it was really interesting because that was when some of my seeing stuff started getting unlocked. And I started having a lot of visions for a season yeah. where it was like all of a sudden, all of these just, just impressions and um, knowings and direction began to just flood my life. So uh, I, I certainly appreciate that. Now, yeah. that was how it began for you. So, so you've been now moving in this gift for many years. Yes, I was uh, 17, 18, and I'm 41 right now. And so it's been a journey. And, you know, I'm amazed by how much uh, you realize the older you get further along in the journey, how you little you know. <laughs> You know, it's, it's incredible um, in this, where I'm at right now today and, and the things that, you know, he's taking me on, I didn't even know existed mm -hmm. and, um, and, and an understanding and a revelation. And I know that there's times and seasons that's going on in the whole body of Christ for things to be released at a certain time. And I do believe that's playing a very big role. Um, you know, in, th in people that are uh, a remnant community, uh, uh, like I love to call them the cavemen and women of the Lord, you know, the hidden ones and um, that are truly in love with him and his identity, you know, to hide in him. And if no one ever sees you hiding in him, you're okay with that. And, um, and that's really been my life. In fact, when he was yanking on me to pull this book out, him and I wrestled very strongly. I didn't want to come out. I didn't want to expose. 
um, any of it, not because of just because of just the world and how nasty it had gotten inside the body of Christ and how everybody's trying to make a name for themselves. And it's a, a you know, platform hungry, you know, followings, you know, how many likes do you get? I, I have like an attitude about it, you know, and people get onto me on a regular basis and the Holy Spirit convicts me about it sometimes as well. And I'm like, I just don't want to participate in that type of behavior. And so, um, but yes, yeah, so I really love the journey that I've been on and, and it's such, I'm so excited to see how even it unfolds every day. It's like such an exciting, you wake up and you're so excited. It's like Christmas every day. <laughs> well, let's, let, let's talk about some of this stuff. Um, now in your book, you, you get into the enemy's boardroom. This is a place that you've been taken more than once. Uh, what is it and how has that been portrayed to you and what did you learn? Yeah, it's basically like, you know, if you could imagine, you know, and I believe the imagination that God has given us is actually the the way that he woos us into these type of visions and encounters with the Lord. And But if you can imagine it, you know, how you watch on television when they're interviewing someone on a police station and, they're, and they've got good guys on one side and the other guys, the bad guys on the other side of the mirror. It's like a two-way mirror kind of thing it's kind of like that type of scene but the the veil between the two rooms are very thin Mm -hmm. um and so it's a very real place it's something somewhere in the in the heavenly realm or you know and not of this world where they gather and they they meet and conversate about plots and plans that they have against the world against certain regions certain people certain uh, you know, communities, of course, uh, bodies of, of course, the body of Christ, and they they have their their thumb right on the prophets. Uh, what's being spoken at the prophets' table? When I had that encounter, it totally um, changed my. I mean, just messes my world up. But um, in that boardroom, I have been there many times, and many times since I've written about it in the book. But um, it's a gathering of the elders would per se or leaders over certain regions, depending on what their intention is and what their meaning is. And it's not because, you know, the enemy is not omnipresent. So he's not the alpha and omega. So there is this limit to him. And so he has to have seer type spirits in all of our lives all over the earth. And so he can't create or multiply himself. And so he has an order, you know, in his kingdom that he has. And so they report to higher, there's a hierarchy that um, they report to. And this is where the decisions usually are made of what they're going to do next. And then the assignment is given out from that place in this boardroom. Right. So, so you and your encounters have been taken and you're often being escorted by an angel or, and, and you are looking in on this boardroom and actually being able, empowered to hear their conversations, how they are plotting to execute their agendas in a region or whatever. They're actually strategizing. And, you know, I, I, I think this is really important for people to understand. Now, my audience knows very well that the enemy is always plotting, planning, and uh, very creative in the nature of the strategies that he is deploying. Fortunately for a lot of other people in the body of Christ, they want to pretend like there's not a devil at all. Or that if you just get the right self-help tactic, you're going to win. And it's not true. There is a divine conspiracy against 
the agendas of the kingdom of God and the manifestation of his children into yes. their seats. And, 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 and so you're watching it happen. You're watching it in real time. It's, it's, it's so it, I, I, That's one of the reasons why I'm having you on um, because you have gotten an inside scoop. And so I, I want you to just take a moment and talk about, you know, one of the actual events that took place when you're sitting there watching them discuss and deliberate on what they're going to do. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the, uh, as far as in the book, I've had just recently at it, a little glimpse of something. And so we can talk about that in a minute, but uh, the most powerful thing that I realized in the boardroom is that their words carry weight with each other as far as even violence towards each other. They're very violent with each other. Um, and and it's, it's uh, not like a family mindset that you would see. One thing that I realized with different spirits and they, uh, they have a Bible on the center of their table um, they reference prophecy a lot. Uh, they have, um, you know, they, they have a memory bank that they can pull up at any time of prophetic words over certain regions. Anything that's been out in a public setting that's in writing, they have copies of and uh, report and refer to it and how they're going to come against whatever prophetic word was given, um, you know, over a region, over a church, over a person. Um, it's, it's incredible how knowledgeable and unified they do work together when they put a plan together and um, how arrogant they are. You know, one of the things that I didn't realize in this until my first encounter in the boardroom encountering them was that they actually think they can win. They actually think they are winning and there is times they are winning, um, you know, in, in their plotting and their planning. And I, I just had a conversation with another minister recently. Well, the enemy never wins. Well, yeah, he does. You know, when Delilah plotted to get the information from some, uh, you know, Samson of how he had his power, her plot was successful. That was the plot of the enemy. He used her. She partnered with the wrong spirit. And then in turn, she accomplished everything that her plan was at. She got her job was done. Check the box. You won the money, you know, won the prize. And so, yes, the enemy does plot against us. And he, he definitely wins at some times in our life when we allow those things to happen. But in the boardroom, how unified they work against us and how they laugh at us and how ununified we are. Um, that has shaken me to the core on um, just unity alone inside the body of Christ and understanding that what an arm does, a foot doesn't do. And what an eye does is not what the ear does. And the, they use that against us. Um, they twist the word of God to use it against us. Um, they laugh at our weaknesses. Um, and they, they think it's you know, quite comical that we don't believe they exist in their plotting and in certain aspects of the body of Christ. And that is the plot that they have planted in the minds of man. Um, you know, there's a, a, a it's a, it's a, it's a world conversation. Sometimes you have, you know, as small as down to a city or city block, you have conversations. And then also you have regional and, and, you know, countries and then the world overall there, they have their pulse on ports in and out of our country, in and out of other countries, things that are coming in by air, drugs. They are all, they are very involved with all of it. And all of it doesn't get, it's not like they just throw stuff on the wall to see if it's going to stick. They have studied us from the beginning of time. 
They understand body language. They know how to read our mannerisms, our postures. Um, they see when we are not locking away with the Lord and we have had time away that we become weaker and that is time to attack. They understand when we have been without sleep and our emotions are weak because um, they're, you know, we become, we're very emotional people. And if we've been without rest and we've overdone things that we are weaker and they attack in certain strategic time frames of our life, according to those things as well. Um, so they are very well plotted. And, um, and in that room, I would say that when uh, Caleb, you know, um, my escort, he, he wants me, they want me to hear, they want us as the body of Christ to, to be um, aware. They don't want us to be ignorant. The kingdom of God wants us to be a knowledgeable force, a powerful force that works together to defeat the enemies that we would never see their plots and plans and never fall trapped to their games. It's literally a game to them. And, um, and so one thing that I would say about the boardroom that is the most real is um, how uh, organized they are. Um, and when they're upset, when one gets arrogant and pompous, because they are so arrogant and pompous, but like when I was encountering Jezebel for the first time there, she was losing, but she didn't realize that she was losing. And, um, and so the you know, the head elder was very angry that she was so ignorantly losing. And, um, and so their words were defeating, you know, she was losing power even among them when they were addressing the fact that she was losing. And that really just shook me um, as well is that the power of words, of course, against them. And, um, and so, yeah, the boardroom is, an, I was never scared never felt fear, never felt intimidated by them because mm -hmm. the presence of the Lord was so encamped about around me in it. When they did recognize that there was something else listening in, um, they definitely uh, know that there's angelic activity that just like they come into our meetings and eavesdrop, and then we realize that maybe they're eavesdropping um, <laughs> as well. <laughs> they do the same with us. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and, and this is the interesting thing. Um, you know, April, we've both had experiences here with boards and I've dealt with a number of, uh, and I, I would call them councils and boards and different, you know, groups that, that gather and meet and plot and plan. And it's really interesting because every time I, you know, stumble on one of these groups, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it has gotten very interesting in, in our ministry because sometimes one of the things that we realize is that they think they're operating with impunity because half or I'd say maybe 80 to 90 percent of the body of Christ doesn't even believe that this stuff is real. No. But yeah. many of them are actually operating in um, uh, 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 contempt of court they actually have indictments against them from courts of heaven rulings that they're not listening to. And so we've had a few experiences where we stumbled upon one of these groups and realized, oh, you are all in contempt of court and pulled the armies of heaven and destroyed their entire board meeting. 
and yeah. building and uh, wreck their whole plan for a region just inadvertently. Yeah. And um, it's really interesting how much there is for us as the body of Christ if we would only just begin to believe that the mm -hmm. world works the way it works and get out of this Greek thinking that says, well, if you see it, then it's real. It's in the spirit. It's not real. And it's like, wait a minute. We're operating with more than we ever imagined. We just yes. have to know what's there and begin to apply heaven's strategies to this stuff. Yes. Now, I want to ask you this question because I read your book. What's the deal with elephants? You know, that is such a, um, that, that encounter makes me tremble. <laughs> yeah, I can't even explain it how it, it just shook me and I didn't know what it meant. Uh, you know, but the there's two things. My my spiritual grandfather, Dr. Norva, used to say when I was a kid growing up that if you're going to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion in ministry, you would need to have the skin of an elephant because elephants have the thickest skin of any animal. So you could like, you can't puncture their skin. And so that was, always, that immediately, you know, was very um, valuable information. And as I've gotten older and I realize how we must have, even within inside the body of Christ, you must have very thick skin to not be offended or hurt or wounded or whatever with each other. When the darts of, you know, one of our family members uh, throws at us as far as an elephant goes, but um, the force of the elephants, the power of the herd and the power of the elephants that run in a pack and the way they protect and the way if you study elephants in the natural. Um, so like if um, a baby is born in an elephant pack, all the females raise that one baby elephant or if there's two, they gather together. It is literally a community that is a force to be reckoned with. If one is drowning, um, I've watched video, YouTube videos of these, you know, guys that like one of them has fallen in off the bank, how the whole community comes and they will by the weakest one at the, at the one to the strongest one at the end and how they unify to pull out and rescue each other. And so I really believe that when with elephants in that one particular encounter, it was a force to be reckoned with and that what an authority that we have when we are unified together and the, the gentle touch that they have with each other is um, incredible and the love that they have. Even in, you know how like in some animal uh, tribes that there's like this war of which one is the alpha male and the alpha female, you really don't have that inside of the elephant herds. You have by weakness and age. And so the oldest is being the wisest is really the leader, but it is not by the one that protects the herd. So the younger, stronger, more powerful um, elephant at the time, at that time in the herd, as it's been brought up and trained by the elder elephants. And, and you can research all this. It's incredible. And wow, what a sign as the body of Christ and how when we, when the, if we run in that type of mentality together, we can destroy anything. There's mm -hmm. nothing that can come against that herd. Uh, like the elephants, they do, they run together and the way they run as a community. I feel like it is a sign of the way that we should, just like the power of the elephant, for, I mean, the ants, the Bible talks about ants. And if you study ants, I think the elephants and the ants 
are very similar in the way that they work together and the way they carry weight together, the way that they um, build together. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So in your book, you talk about a scene where there's a boardroom you're yeah. listening in, right? Caleb, your angelic escort that, that's there with you, kind of like a guardian or whatever. It's yeah. you know, suddenly this pack of elephants in the spirit yes. runs through the boardroom. And you're watching a pack of elephants run through a boardroom. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and, and this is really interesting, you know, because I'm bringing it up because we've seen in the spirit world, like, like people don't realize that, like, like, Animals don't stop on earth. First of all, there are animals in paradise, right? You, you yes. go up there. Oh, yes. You will, find, you will even find dogs and cats that you loved dearly waiting for you in your mansion. Like, they're, they're, yes. like God collects them. And like, there's all kinds of animals and birds and they have heavenly frequencies. And, and, and sometimes these things interact with the earth. And there's also demonic birds. Like, and we talk oh, about those in the book of Revelation. They release demonic frequencies. And, yes. you, know, you don't want those hovering over your house. But no. <laughs> there, there's all this animal activity in the spirit world. And, and here you have a stampede of elephants running through. And I'm, I'm reading that. I'm like, you know, that's so interesting because we, we've seen elephants in the spirit before. I don't really know what to do with them. Just kind of like, oh, they camels, yeah. <laughs> load bearing animals. Like, it's like, this is, a, this is, but, but it's real. I mean, it's there. It absolutely is real. And the thing about it is, is I believe when we see these type of situations, we need to study that particular animal. Is there something that God's trying to show us about them? One thing about a camel, uh, in a, in something it's not in the book. I had this encounter and there was this, this camel that I'm like looking at this camel and he, you know how they have the water packs and that they can travel with water, you know, for miles and miles and miles, which I never studied it. And I never would have if I didn't have a vision of one. And when I, when I studied that particular camel, I realized it's the water that they drink in, which I forget how many gallons it is, but like they can hold and they can go for like, I think a month. And I'm like studying this. I'm like, Lord, what is it that you're trying to show me about this? And he was, he was showing me how that even in the wilderness and the driest times of our life, that we can be like the camel prepared with the water inside of us that will spring forth this river at any time that we need, no matter what season that we're in in any climate. It's not controlled. The, the water pack is not controlled by a climate that we're in or not in. So I love the, the uh, examples that he uses us. I mean, we're supposed to be like children, right? So if we're like children, you know, children love animals. And I'm a child. I feel like I'm that ignorant little two-year-old sometimes like, Jesus, what about this? Jesus, what about that? And if, he, if I'm not getting what he's trying to show me, he'll bring an animal and go now research that. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. You want me to have more of Holy Spirit in my life to never be without that increased power. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. let it get low. Don't let my water tank get low ever. Wow. Wow, that's good. That's good. All right. So um, you talk about the spirit of Jezebel in your book. And, in, in, and your conviction is that the spirit of Jezebel has actually gone through a lot of exposure over the past decade and more which she has i mean i i've seen more books about jezebel in the past 10 15 years it's like all of a sudden it's like everybody wants to talk about jezebel 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 it's like 
I mean, it, it, it's hard not to identify Jezebel anymore if you've been following the news. And, and, and so, so <laughs> you actually get into what that meant in the spirit world in your book, and I appreciate that. But then, then you started talking about Delilah. And so I want you to just uh, run us through a little bit of that from your perspective and how, how you see the kingdom of darkness uh, developing this goal for the spirit of Delilah. Yeah, that's, um, you know, I think because of the, you know, exposure that's been going on with Jezebel for some time, and you're totally right. I mean, everybody and their mother, if they're a prophetic person, are are writing about Jezebel, and some of it's cuckoo, I have to just say. Um, They've given her, you know, every sexual spirit is not Jezebel. You know what I mean? It's just, and I said that to a lady the other day, and she's like, what, what, what? And I'm like, yeah, there's other sexual spirits besides Jezebel, just so you know. The dog doesn't have Jezebel, you know? And and so uh, we've gotten so focused with one that you ignore the others. And, and there was a higher power of Jezebel and a higher level of authority in the body of Christ, especially in the United States with Jezebel because she moved into a government position in the White House. And when I saw that, um, why the uh, Jezebel's authority inside the church began to increase, which of course then God used, pulled back, started pulling back the veil to reveal Jezebel, which I believe if you follow the timeline in history and see when we uh, began to have these conversations about Jezebel, when I was growing up, you never heard about Jezebel. I mean, you read a story in the Bible, but that was it, you know? And, and so um, I do believe that Jezebel was evicted out of the White House and that has given us a higher level of authority because we are submitted underneath authority of a country and uh, that gives us a higher level of authority when our government kicks them out, of course. Um, Still have to evict them out of our own lives. Um, And so the play that I saw in the, the boardroom was the Delilah, which has been a long plotting plan of the enemy for some time because one thing that I saw in the boardroom with was discussed and then I had a conversation uh, with the Holy Spirit directly after that encounter in more depth and um, was that Jezebel in the Bible was defeated and so Jehu came along which we love Jehu my son's dog my dog my son named his dog Jehu it's quite comical um I love it. But uh, so Jehu defeats Jezebel, of course, in the Bible. And so she was destroyed. And so the plot that she had was not successful. You know, she, of course, accomplished a lot of things in her time, but she didn't get to see it all the way through the end. She did not finish well. And um, so uh, she's still a very powerful spirit. But at the same time, Delilah is more confident, more um uh, what's a better word to say, uh, pompous, I guess, if you would like, is that because she actually saw success and her plotting and her planning was successful and she did everything that she intended to do. And so in, in the thought process of Delilah, she finished strong. Hmm. And uh, because that was her assignment, she was given one assignment and she successfully did her one assignment. And so she is more undercover. She is more sneaky. And she is um, one thing about Jezebel and Delilah is that she does not have to expose herself. She is fine with behind the scenes until the time comes to pull the, the scissors out and cut your hair off. And, um, and so 
Jezebel is more on top of the, you know, the, the king after she gets, she gets to a place, she's always looking for authority. And so she's easily spotted. And Delilah is not easy, as easily spotted unless you have a high level of discernment. And if you are, see, this is one of the things that I learned in the boardroom is that if you are ignoring or acting like something doesn't exist or doesn't have authority, then you won't see it. I don't care what kind of level seer you are. If you act like it doesn't exist, it's, you're not going to see it. So you have to be open. That's why I, my life has been, God, do not let myself limit what you want to show me. And when I started, and this was in my healing process, God, I know I need deliverance. I know that I need to encounter something that's outside of my own strength and power and my own pea brain, you know, can't even comprehend how good, amazing, and vast that you are in the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. And how could we think that we could limit a limitless God? And so when I began to pray like that, not in a place of trying to see everything in the world, but trying to just uh, get to the end of myself, you know, the, the Bible, there's a scripture that says, let the deep cry out. And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me a couple of weeks ago and he said, how do you know if you're at the, at the depth, the end of your depth? And I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, your end of your deep. I want that place to cry out to the end of my deep. And so I began, God, take me to the end of my deep so that I can even find, how can I even find the end of my deep? And, um, you know, and so we are incapable without the um, help of, that's what angels are for. There are, they're here to, they're, they're basically full-time assistants without having to pay them. You know, it's a, in a business world, I'm a business person and uh, I love an assistant. I would like 20 of them, please, you know, for free, but that's what angelic is. So Lord, help me, you know, in whatever way that you have to teach me, if it's in a vision or if it's walking into a, a situation, you know, and the Bible can teach us, we can ask God and the Holy Spirit to teach us or life will teach us. And when you encounter like a Delilah smacking you in the face, you'll be like, oh, wow, you do exist. I would much rather find out from the Holy Spirit, which is gentle and soft and kind and, and teaches me, even when I'm being spanked by the Lord, it's still amazing and being corrected. But if the world spanks me and I get, you know, picked up by Delilah and thrown up against the wall and my hair's cut off and then I'm lost all my power and my authority in the spiritual realm, then I'm like, what just happened to me? Oh, well, I would like to know that before going into the tent that I might be dealing with the Delilah up in my camp. And Samson had his time. His mom and dad came to him and warned him. There was times that um, he was warned multiple times actually by them and he ignored the warnings. And that's one of the plots that the enemy talks about is there's been a dismem uh, dismembering of the power of unity within the body of Christ. We are a generation that does not attend church and, 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 Honestly, I sometimes struggle with wanting to attend a body of Christ myself within a community because we have become so desensitized to the feelings and emotions of others and the babies in the room and, and their spiritual IQ. We, we, um, oh, you're, you know, you don't know, so I don't have time to spend with you. And, um, and that I, I just want to throw up on that behavior. And so, um, 
you know, and so, but what happens when we step away from a community, you lose the person saying, Hey, you're really tired. Is there something going on? Or, Hey, I, there, I feel like there's this wrestle going inside of your spirit as if I, if I'm your sister and you're my brother and I can feel like, Hey, you're heavy. Is there something that I can pray about? Can I stand with you in agreement? The power of agreement is a force to be reckoned with in the power, uh, you know, in the kingdom of God. And so we, the enemy would love to, to separate us, put us in a tent with Delilah by ourselves instead of in a safety of a community of believers that understand the protection of having each other's back to say, hey, watch out, you got a Delilah circling around you. Hmm. So, so you think that the Delilah spirit is working to create lone rangers that are yes. completely cut off from community in the yes. body of Christ. Wow. Yes. I really do. In fact, I, f- I feel like there is a, uh, well, I know so, there's a hit list, you know, that Delilah is functioning and uh, we won't see it until, you know, the hair is gone and uh, in the natural. And, and so I do see the Delilah circling. And when you, when you step outside of a covering and you think that you have arrived in the body of Christ, um, that you do, that you didn't want to be the covering for others, please. We always need a mother and a father. We always need someone else that says, Hey, you know, um, this is what's going on in my life. And, and the problem is inside the body of Christ, there's not been safety. We've used each other's testimonies against each other and we use it to wound each other, to step on each other, to get a bigger platform. And, um, you're, you're, you're right about that. And I'll say, I'll say this. I, I mean, I agree. I agree that I have seen a lot of Lone Rangers. As a matter of fact, um, unfortunately, some people, people that listen to this program, have been forced into that camp because they tried and were misunderstood yes. and got the left foot of ministry. Um, yeah. Some are just wounded and scared and, and they won't actually cooperate with the Holy Spirit to bring them into healthy community. And some people are really, yeah, they want to, you know, go to these deep, deep, deep places with God, but there's a problem. And that's that, you know, Jesus taught a, 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 a concept called discipleship. Now, in order to disciple someone, you must first yourself be a disciple. That's right. And in order to be promoted in the body of Christ, you have to be faithful to be a disciple and then to disciple others into what the Lord has unlocked in you so that God can take you higher. That's and right. I'm in the process of that. You know, for me personally right now, God has me building a, a, a year-long uh, DID coach mentorship program, right? Where we're taking wow. applications now. Next year, we're going to spend a whole year training a company of people. And um, there's a selection process, but the people that make it in, it's a year. And at the end of that year, the goal is that they minister like I do when it comes to inner healing and deliverance so that I can then go on. And, and I understand that first I had to be, you know, a, a student and a disciple to get here. Now I have to yeah. do it for others. If we are all by ourselves, we can't become part of heaven's equation for graduation into greater things in God's kingdom. And, and that's where the logic breaks down. You think you're going to you know, do all this stuff all by yourself, no covering, no fellowship, no community. There's a hard stop. It's, it's just not how it works in the kingdom. No, I mean, look at, look at uh, the Trinity by itself. You know, he doesn't do anything 
without Father and Holy Spirit. So if he doesn't have it, then who, who the crap are we? You know, I mean, come on now. Like, so it's a, it's a, it's a bold statement to see, say that you need no one. That's a, it's a very bold statement to say. And I feel like that's a, a very, um, um, dangerous position to be in. We all need somebody. We need each other very much. So, it, and I have been wounded inside the body of Christ and been misunderstood. So I understand the viewers that might be in that place. And, um, and I remember the, the touch of the Holy Spirit saying to me, it's you, will you trust again? Will you allow me to ooh you to a place um, where you can allow healing to come? Because we will wear the victim robe with honor, like it's a, um, an established position in the body of Christ. Well, I've been, you know, especially the prophetic, you know, a group and movement and where they are like, oh, I've been so wounded and this one outcast me and I'm so misunderstood and and honestly, what are you, why are you so focused on how many times that you've been wounded? Let's talk about how amazing God rescued you in your brokenness, in your season of, of hurt and dormant, and got it. And look how far you have come with the healing power of Jesus. The blood is enough for anything that we've went through. You know, the stories that we read of the disciples, you know, there's about two minutes worth of reading of that, you know, Peter hung upside down on a cross, but the stories were much further, more. Um, more about the power of Jesus working through his life versus the things that he went through of suffering. We all have to suffer. We all go through sufferings in partnership with Jesus in sufferings, but he is more than enough to get us through and not to live a place of suffering. We not to wear suffering like a badge. It's not honorable. It's not like, so we have to come out. If you want to be used by God, you must come out and get among people. And you have to come out like the Lord spoke to me one time and he said, you're going to get to a place where people are going to hurt you. They're going to lie. They're going to accuse you. They're going to backbite you. They're going to do all of these things. What are you willing to do for me? And I had to realize, okay, so I'm going to get among people. People are going to hurt me. Well, you know what? It's worth it to represent him in that group of people. So if you, if you come from a humble place and say, you know what, Lord, if I have to get stepped on for one to get healed, okay, I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There is, um, there is a place where you do realize that you are going to receive pain no matter where you go, whether you pursue darkness or you pursue God, there, there is going to be pain along the way. And, uh, you know, um, gosh, my heart goes out to those that have been wounded so deeply. They, they literally yeah. feel like they cannot take one more ounce of pain. That's why there are healing tools in Christ yeah. so that you can recover from that and take another step. I want to say this. Um, you talk a lot about your experience in the garden. Yes. Oh I want to have gosh. you share a little bit about that. Well, what's what's going on with you and the garden? Man, talk about healing. That is the place that you want to go to uh, in a place of healing and restoration and allowing the word of God to wash over you in a liquid form. You know, the Bible says that, you know, the water, the, the word is what washes us. And so it, when you've been in a place of hurt not even not in a place of hurt just we live in the most evil time in the history of the world 
The Bible says in Revelation that coming to the, the time of Jesus, that it's going to get more evil and more evil and more evil. And then the dark and the light are going to separate, which we're seeing that happen in, you know, in the natural right now. The most exciting part, like I said this other day, and someone <laughs> maybe shouldn't have said it, but uh, in the, uh, the, the exciting part of the separation of the dark and the lightness that the gray leaves, like, you know, if you're here, if you're here, it's like, you know, there's no more confusion. And, um, and so, uh, we need to have a place to run to a place of rescue, a place of safety, a place of home. We all long for that intimacy where intimacy is into me. You see Jesus. And um, when I had that encounter, God, I need you to see into me and all of the areas of my own heart lies to me. My own heart deceives me. My own thought process deceives me. The, my emotions deceive me. Everything around me is trying to deceive me. I, you know, I need a place of safety. Well, when my heart turned that way, it wasn't like I was looking for this out-of-body garden experience, but that was the place that I ran to that um, in that time that took me there. And so the garden is a, a, a physical washing of the word of God. I, I know now that I can come in and I pick up my Bible and I start reading my Bible and I can feel the physical wash of that river in the garden. I actually have this inner conviction and I can't prove it, but that the garden of Eden uh, is the place that we, that he takes us to. I believe it's not actually here on earth anymore. I believe it's in the heavenly realm um, that exists that we can, that we will all go to at some point and get dipped in that, that powerful force of the river of God that flows like a, like a, um, you know, talk like a hose, you know, if you look at a fire hose, you know, it's like, there's times that you need to be blasted. And sometimes you just need to, to soak and lay and it's whatever you need. And, um, the fragrance, there's an aroma of heaven. There is an aroma that comes. There's a residue that comes and it rests on your physical body. It's like the dew in the morning. If you go out early in the morning, I'm an early morning. Sometimes I like to sit in the grass. I had one of my very first encounters, which is not in the book. I, uh, in a place of desperation, I, found myself in the physical grass of my yard and, and um, there's a, a wetness, a dew that comes on the grass and it is the same presence in the garden where I need the dew of heaven to come and be like manna to my physical body and to my soul and to my mind and my emotions. And I know that only in that presence can I find the wholeness. It is the intimacy that I have to have to survive in this hour. That is why when I find these people in caves and they say I'm locked away with God, I'm like, no, you're not. You're locked away in a, in a false identity of a, your, your, your pain has become your idol, has become your God. It's not the God that I know. Our Father is good. He is the healer. He is the rescuer. He is the deliverer. He will come and manifest his power in a blink of an eye and, and wipe all of your tears and hold you and stroke your hair and tell you how beautiful and amazing you are and speak life back at you and and patch you up and send you back out he never wants us to hide so that we can do what for him in our place of wound so the garden is the rescuing place of jesus and i do believe that all of us are called to that intimacy into me you see and as you see into me i see into you and in that seeing into him in a place of true intimacy 
is where I find a garden that I need the gardener of my life to come and prune away the things, the vine dresser that says, you know, like in one of my encounters, he says to me, can I have this? And it, it was something of that was fruitful and multiplying. But he said, no, 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 I need to cut away this so that I can have more. And when I was like, what? But, but this is good fruit. This is good fruit. And he was like, yeah, but there's bigger fruit to have. And the vine dresser, when I started studying the vine dresser in the world and how they take their gardeners and how they want bigger flowers and bigger roses, they'll cut away the small, the small roses that are sucking life to have the bigger. And I realized that I need to, to come into that place and let him be the vine dresser of my very life. And it is so tangible and so real that you have to have it. I can't imagine my life without the intimacy of the garden. And we all have one. Our lives is a garden. He is our bridegroom. We are the groom. We are the bride of Christ. And we are his garden. It is the garden that he wanted with Adam and Eve. But now it's in us. Because he, we, he, he is our home and we are his home. So we're home with each other. You know, it is the place of safety. So when you need a place to return to in safety, it's like, um, that's the place you go. It's that Matthew 6, 6. I, I close the door and say, man, I'm broken. I'm wounded. I'm hurt. I'm confused. I, I don't understand. I'm doing this or I'm doing that. What am I doing wrong? Or it's just a place of heaviness. We live in a world that there is evil around us. We have become numb not because of ignorance, but just because of sounds in the earth and our, our eyes and our ears are gates to our inner place, into, you know, places that hides inside of us. And then we, we are heavy or, or tired physically or whatever it is that we're fighting. And we don't even realize that through our eye gates or ear gates, we have encountered something that day that has come and, and it's gone into our garden to plant seeds that's not of God. And then we start manifesting something that doesn't feel right inside, like something's wrong. You don't know what's wrong. Well, only the true gardener can come in that knows the soil of my life. He is the creator of my garden. And so he knows things about me that I don't know about myself. He knows the hairs on my head. So he can come in and say, no, 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 that was never meant to be planted there. And let me take that out. And that's where you're rescued every day. So it's, and life-changing. That's really beautiful. You know, we've, um, I'm just kind of having fun listening to you and comparing notes, you know. Um, we've had a lot of interesting experiences with gardens. And um, now, of course, I work with survivors of satanic ritual abuse and right. other types of heavy trauma, including government-sponsored projects. And we deal with something we call inner worlds, which exists within the subconscious mind. And I have basically deduced that that is synonymous with what the Bible calls the heart. And so they get programmed and structured in these places. And as Jesus moves through these places where there's a lot of turmoil, inside of the person producing all kinds of things in the physical world relative to their lives um when let's say there is a a, a dungeon um where they have parts of their soul that are broken and being afflicted by demon armies and stuff and you know we come in and that gets taken out 
Yeah. What, what Jesus will often do is in the same spot, he'll plant a garden yes. Yes. inside of the heart. And it'll be in that pocket of yes. geography. And what was once a location of great affliction becomes a location of great peace and comfort. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we, we've become garden planters, right? We, we just move through yeah. it every time something gets taken out. It's a stronghold, a structure, this. We're putting gardens. And, and um, it, it, it's really, really redemptive. Now, at the same time, I recognize that there is a Garden of Eden, and it is in the third heaven. It is uh, where God's kingdom realm is. and um, the tree of life is there and yeah. a bunch of other trees. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing. The nations are in that garden as trees. Yes. Which is so weird. But when you read the Bible, I believe it's Ezekiel 37. It talks mm-hmm. about the trees in the garden of Eden and it zeroes in on, Egypt and Assyria. And so we're learning, wait a minute. We can go in Christ to the Garden of Eden and begin to address the nations from the garden because they're all there as trees. This has been very fascinating. And you're saying yes. So now I'm wondering like, oh, you know? (laughs) There is. There should be a book written about it. It needs to be preached from the mountaintops of the authority of the body of Christ that we have in the nations and, and in regions. You know, and you if you go back and study like major moves of God in different regions, uh, how there was something that broke, it was if you if you can find it, the Holy Spirit and I've asked the Holy Spirit to like reveal these things that happen. And um, how how did this happen? Like how how does there a major move of God happen in a region? Like it looks like it happened overnight. Well, it was never overnight. You know it wasn't overnight. There had to be uh, things plowed in the spirit prior to that happening. If I find that there's always this little person locked away in the Lord in a closet and a group of prayer group of people that have gone into uh, prayer in the forces of heaven and said and shaken the tree of life and said I must have life over this region over the Philippines or over this or whatever it is that they're they're believing for and uh, they've encountered that and so uh, yes I totally understand and and the nations of God that God has planted uh, they are the reward for the sacrifice that Jesus laid and, and the price that he paid here on earth and the kingdoms of the kingdom of this world is going to come back to a reward and a fragrance of a sweet aroma back to Jesus. And Psalms talks about that. And, and, and um, so when you understand that, that it belongs to him anyway, and if we belong to him, then of course there's a place that we can go and actually come to a place of authority over any region because it belongs to him. And we are to duplicate him on the earth. And if we're going to walk in greater power and authority, as he said, we would, then why would we not tap into that? And why are we not seeing that more today? Well, I'll tell you why, because people don't even believe that there are boardrooms where groups of demons meet to plot against their family. (laughs) 
So why, why would they go that far? But, right. but we're here to say otherwise. Let's just yes. break it down. And, and you know what? Um, I want to talk about this a little bit more because I, I've been told uh, by a mutual friend that you, you've been getting some downloads about our nation more recently yeah. from some of the um, visions that you've been having and so forth. And so I do want to give you an opportunity to share what you feel a release to speak on. Yeah. So uh, just recently a mutual friend, I sent him an encounter that I had with the Lord uh, just recently that shook me very violently in the core of my, in my natural place where it took me a few days to like come out of my bedroom <laughs> after that particular encounter. And so I've been shaken by it. And, um, and you know, there's so many things that you could talk about, like the deep state and different, you know, demonic forces in a government, you know, that has, you know, puppets. I love, you know, they're basically puppets, you know, and, and people that have partnered it. And I realized later that there's a lot of people don't realize that they are puppets. Um, and they, you have a lot of white witchcraft, which I, I want to touch on that a little bit because you have a lot of that happening under the Christian label that is not God. It's not pure. It's a false, it's a counterfeit spirit, which is actually Lucifer. If you pull back the robe and see the identity of the mask, it's truly uh, the Lucifer that sounds and has a residue that kind of can feel a little bit. Uh, like a Holy Spirit, gentle touch, but it is far from gentle. It is a complete counterfeit spirit. Um, but we see that sometimes in government uh, positions of authority, and they call themselves Christians, and they're not. Um, and one of the things that the enemy is plotting today that you are seeing, and we're seeing it manifest in the natural, in the government uh, official area as well, but you see it first inside the body of Christ, is that you are people are being grouped by value. Um, so like even in, in the government stuff, so you see um, people groups, right? So um, your talent is here, so you go here. You're uh, from this background, so you go here. You're from this region, so you go here. And we are categorizing people by wealth, by, uh, you know, office, you know, where they're from, their culture, uh, their talents, their gifts. You know, of course, certain uh, you know, things, people, groups that you've come from, your family, you know, can take you to a further place, you know, different people groups. And um, it's really the plot of the enemy, but you see it in the church. And it, it's the, the scripture that when the disciples said to Jesus, when uh, they were bringing little children to him and the disciples said, no, 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 you know, put, take those babies away. And then shortly after that, Peter says to Jesus, who is the greatest one among us? And Jesus, you know, pulls a child in his back to his lap and says, no, 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 these are the ones that inherit the kingdom of God. It's the child. And, um, and so I have been on this journey where the Lord began to just deal with me about um, the value of every single person and uh, the children. And not just when you think of child, you think of, you know, a baby. And, and absolutely, the value of children is, you know, a baby needs to, be, it needs to be baby. But I'm talking about children, people that are without spiritual IQ, without the knowings. They're born into uh, demonic, satanic families. They're born into an identity that they can't help 
you know, that they were born into that situation, a culture, a nation, a region, whatever, you know, into a poverty or a wealthy area. Like we cannot blame people of wealth because they were born into wealth. Like, you know what I mean? Nobody signs up for their parents. You know, it's just the way it is. You're like, oh, I would like to be born in Africa, so I'd like to go to Africa, please. Like, we're, we don't believe in reincarnation, so come on. So why are we, you know, doing that? But we do that even in the side of positivity. So even in the government, there's this, like, um, influence in under the Christian advisors at some aspects where there is an allowance and conversation uh, within the body of Christ and within whatever uh, ethnicity group or value system that you have as far as money, education, where you went to school. You know, I mean, I'm talking about like high levels of, you know, dividing if you're, you know, if you're say born in Georgia, then within Georgia, you have all these subgroups within Georgia and you're separated by that. And we're going to target you differently accordingly. And so if the enemy knows how your great, 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 great grandmother fell and then your grandmother fell and then, you know, so on and so forth, he can divide you so detailed about you, then the ability to attack you is a different level. And so because before, like in uh, times past, you, the enemy could attack from a, like throw one bomb and just blow up everybody, right? Now that we have high, higher level IQ in the day and age that we're in, and the, the fact that you have people that are diving in to a higher level of uh, encounter with the Lord, the, and it's time for more knowledge to increase on the earth. You know, I really believe that there's times that God releases secrets from heaven for a certain time on the body of Christ, and I believe those times are now. And um, so the, the, the ability that the enemies had in the past like Jezebel, for example, using Jezebel. She can't just walk into any church and not be identified like that. Well, so now you can't use that plot very often as much unless you're in a place in the middle of the boonies that has no cable television, you know, or internet. And so that's the only time Jezebel is going to function, you know. And so, uh, so because of that, the plot has to be different. So in the plotting, he's doing a higher level of dividing. And it's being divided by sound, so like in different cultures of, of uh, church, you have, uh, let's just use the uh, Native Americans. So you have all these tribes of Native Americans, and they're, they're divided by their land groups. They're, they have their own sound, their own way of worship, their own way of, and, and none of it's wrong. It's just the way that they, they have encountered Jesus to them personally. And Jesus isn't the same to me as he is to you. You know, he talks to me like a parent. And, you know, he comes in and is like, what are you doing? But stop doing that. And some people, he comes in like, oh, you know, so sweet. You know, it's just not that way, you know, with me. And so, he you know, it's like I'm a parent of children. And, well, they're now all adults, amazing, I have to say, amazing kids. And um, I parent them all differently. You know, we, I don't parent any of them the same. They're different. We're all different. And so the same with us. And so the enemy is dividing us. At a, at a way more extreme pace than he ever has before. And the government, and there's people doing that with inside the government because we become less of a, of a force when we are in smaller groups, if that makes sense to you. And so I see that conversation happening behind closed doors under white witchcraft. Mm. Um, and I like to call it white witchcraft because they think they're pure. And it's not. Um, they think they're in the influence. And I had a conversation recently with someone that was operating a white witchcraft inside of a church. And they were, you know, discussing certain things. And I'm like, so who told you that? 
you know, uh, where did you get that information? Oh, the Holy Spirit. I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit didn't vote. The Holy Spirit never divides. Just let's just be clear. The Holy Spirit never comes in and says, you are more valuable than your sister and your brother and your dog and, and this person, that pay person. And, and the, um, you, this platform is better because of this person. And that, that's just not how the kingdom of God works. We are all servants. We are all equal. His blood was dropped for you and it was equal blood for me. We are all on the same playing field here inside the kingdom of God. Now, does he give us more responsibilities in certain times when he can trust us with more? Absolutely. But there is never a time that he says, this one's more valuable than another one. So take this one out. It just doesn't happen that way. And so um, inside, the, inside the government area, I believe that there has been people um, speaking to, you know, that if you come as a new believer, right, let's say the Trump administration, they're, they're what I would call a baby Christian, right, walking in a place of, of a new realm, here that's unknown. So if you take advisors and people around you and you're saying, help me, I don't know, like I, I want to eat steak, but I don't know how to eat steak, you know, cut my steak and feed it to me, right? So if you're, if you're feeding, uh, divide the church and divide the people groups and separate them and uh, market and advertise them differently and look at them by value and by a value system, by a price. So if this is a thousand dollars and this is a hundred dollars, this is ten dollars, this is a dollar, and you want to value people accordingly. Um, that is very dangerous, and uh, it's applied the enemy to destroy us in smaller groups. I, okay, okay. So this is to kind of summarize what you're saying. Yeah, I right. said a lot there. A lot of words. <laughs> um, I am taking back that you see white witchcraft working to create pockets so that division reign supreme because when there's lots of division there's no power through unity and so there is a massive agenda right now to create lots of divided pockets that don't have real power throughout the nation right and that's really the church too and it's also in the church it started actually in the church sadly and, um, and it's because of that same spirit, which is a vain imagination. Um, I just recently had an encounter. I never had seen the spirit behind uh, uh, delusion or illusion or fantasy, like if you want to put it in, in that type of thought process, um, behind, like, you know, it's like, I don't know if you've met someone or if you've ever had this happen where it's like, it's like if you were saying you've never been to Tennessee before. So you have these like imaginations, what you think Tennessee looks like. And then when you get to Tennessee, it's not what you thought it was. Right. So there's this vain imagination of the order of the kingdom of God that we have. We think that we know how he functions in his value system among us. And so we then categorize each other and ourselves Hmm. that way as well. And we like to be birds that flock together, that we just want to all be the arm. And you better stay in your one arm group and don't ever connect to the shoulder because they are operating in the wrong spirit. Hmm. And so that, and, and I was just saying this to another minister the other day, I said, he was like, so you're basically just boiling it down to disunity. I go, yeah, just basically disunity. And he is like, yeah. 
well, that seems too simple. I'm like, yeah, but look, who's unified? Who, like, when, when do you see, like, the faith movement and the prophetic movement come together and work together? Or this group and this group come together, this culture and this culture, like, um, by, let's just use two different nations, right? You have the Bulgarian people and you've got the African group, right? So let's put them in one church and let's worship the way they worship, you know, let's, let's just do everything. Let's just throw it all up in the air and see what happens. And let's worship together. What does that tribe look like as one? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I think you have a point. One of the aspects of this ministry, Bride Ministries, right? We actually have our vision statement on our website. And I've, I've been using the same vision statement since I wrote it in 2009. Our vision is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations because I know that the body of Christ having its seat of influence over nations is predicated by the move of unity because that is a driver of power in the earth realm. Now, the problem is exactly what you would expect. Let's take some Baptists and let's put them in a room with some charismatics. Now let's have a prayer meeting. All right. The moment the charismatics begin to pray in tongues, the Baptists are out of there. That isn't of God. And so the question mark that many in the body of Christ are wrestling with is in this hour, what does unity look like and how is it achieved? I personally think that it's, it's a move of the Holy Spirit to yeah. bring people into alignment with the belief system of Jesus, which isn't our belief system. It's not at all, not even close. And the closer I've gotten to seeing the way he sees things and looks at things and thinks about things, the more I've had to repent, renounce, yeah. lay down, <laughs> reconsider. <laughs> the truth. It's it totally be. opposite. Well, you know what, April? This has been a lot of fun. Um, we have a lot of good things to say. Again, folks, you know, we've been talking a, a lot about this book that April wrote called Seeing Behind Enemy Lines. And um, in that, she details a lot of her heavenly visions and things she's learned um, up to a point, obviously, considering that you end this book around 2016. I'm sure there'll be a follow-up at some point. But yeah. Who yeah. knows? Um, is there anything you wanted to conclude with? You know, I would just encourage uh, your listeners and, uh, you know, to, to really Matthew 6, 6, you know, where it says to go into a room and lock the door and pursue Jesus. Uh, if you don't know him or you're like, I, I don't understand this relationship you're talking about, this garden place that you're referring or this healer or rescuer or deliverer, if you don't know him, um, I would say invite him to introduce himself to you. And um, in that invitation alone, he will set you up and walk into your room and introduce himself to you at a certain time and certain place that you will least expect it. And if you're a believer that's been wounded and hurt by the body of Christ, um, I want to first say, I'm so sorry and repent to you as a part of the body. If you've been wounded by the body, um, 
you know, uh, we do things ignorantly to each other. We do things foolishly to each other. And we are all um, sinners that way. And we must all deserve, we all deserve uh, forgiveness just as you have needed forgiveness at your, at your life. And I would just say, um, instead of looking at the faults of others, look in the mirror and say, okay, is there a plank possibly in my own eye and get alone with the Lord and let him pull that out and pursue him in a place of intimacy where it's an invitation into me, God, I need you to see. And uh, if you hear my voice on anything, there is an intimacy of a bridegroom that is in pursuit of his bride today. And I would say go after him because it is the only oil that will fill you. It is the only thing that will wash you. It is the only thing that will heal your mind, your will, your emotions, your physical body, your marriages, your finances, your business. No matter what, he will come in and he has a way of escape for you and rescue you. And uh, you're very valuable to the kingdom of God. We need you. Don't hide from uh, us, we need you. I mean, we we don't want uh, to be out here fighting alone. We want to go link arms, no matter where you've come from and um, what what uh, origin. And like you know, we're talking about the people that you're ministering to that has come from a satanic background, and God's walking them through a process of healing. What a valuable asset that you are. You become a secret weapon for the kingdom of God, that he can use a force to be reckoned with, that us have, we don't even understand the powers and things that you understand, and you should be teaching us as you walk this journey out, and what a gift you are to us as the body of Christ and how much we need each other. And, um, and so I just want to honor you and encourage you to continue your journey with the Lord because man, what a powerful force that is, uh, with, with Jesus and the Holy spirit. It's like you disconnect from one outlet and you plug into another and, uh, the outlet of purity is amazing with Jesus. And so just pursue him. That's probably my, my biggest mission statement is find Jesus because he's the one that knows everything. I'll tell you one thing, and it just hit me so strong. When I was in a place of desperation, I knew that I needed Jesus, but I didn't know how to get there. And I had this happen to me a lot where people say, how, how can I hear his voice? How can I encounter him? How can I see him? And I will tell you that there is not five steps of perfect to get there. For me, I was so lost. I said, God, I just am going to come. And I lay down with worship music playing. I had no words to say. I had no posture left in me. I had no song in my heart. I had nothing. I was so broken. And at the end of myself, I just said, here I am. Now you got to do whatever it is that you do. And that is when he came in suddenly and began to wash over me with his presence. And that took me on a journey. And every day I kept running into that place. Here I am. And then all of a sudden, boom, there he is to meet us and encounter us. So don't, don't let the enemy entangle your mind that it's something hard to get to because it's not. It's so simple. It's so simple. All you have to do is turn your heart and your affection and set your gaze on him and just say, here I am. And then he meets you. So I would encourage anybody that's listening, if you need him, he's there. If you need a savior, he's your savior. Well, folks, that's the word. You have been listening to Discovering Truth. And until next time, 
God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.